Have you ever received a call from your principal to take down a TikTok because of a Meg the Stallion song that was playing in the background of your video? And on top of that, receiving that call at 8 p.m. at night on a Sunday? Well, my guest has. And in this episode, we talk about our hate for being censored, to my dream of being a wag, and so much more. Let's get started. Welcome to the Teachers Who Quit podcast, the number one podcast for teachers who quit or really want to. And I'm your host, Tierney, your ex-teacher bestie. Enjoy the show. Welcome to the show, Sarah. I am so excited to have you on the Teachers Who Quit podcast. And I would really love it if you would just kick us off with a little introduction to yourself. Hello, I am Sarah Baird. I live in Mississippi. I'm a calligrapher, graphic designer, and a social media manager, which basically means I create a lot of content for different businesses, and I get really creative with all of the strategies in making sure that businesses can build a trust and relationship with their clients. And you see, I missed that part, Sarah. When I was, you know, doing my great, you know, research, I missed that part about you being the social media manager part. So we're going to have to dive into that a little bit more for sure. I love that. Okay. So before we hop into how you pivoted to that journey and where you are currently, let's go ahead and scale it back a little bit. Okay. So take us back to the beginning of your journey as a teacher. What even inspired you to want to pursue that career? So my grandpa taught school and coached basketball for 42 years, and he was a huge influence in my life, probably like, you know, the greatest man I've ever met, pretty much. And my mom taught 25 years of ninth grade English, bless her heart. (laughs) Um, I decided after I graduated from college with a BFA in graphic design that I wanted to pursue graphic design as a profession. I later on started getting kind of lonely working for myself for about two years. And then eventually I was like, you know, my grandpa and my mom both were teachers. I want to try to see if teaching is something that I would enjoy. So in 2018, I saw a position for an art teacher at school, and I was like, okay, I'm going to try this. I took my praxis. I failed it by two points, (laughs) and then I actually retook it, and during that process, I was interviewing for the position. They really wanted me, but just because I wasn't certified in everything, I didn't get to have it at the time. However, in September, they called me and asked me if I wanted to be a behavioral academic interventionist. And I was like, I have no idea what that is, but what, you know, like, go ahead and tell me. And so they told me it piqued my interest. And I thought this would be a great way to get my foot in the door. So fast forward to um, January of 2019. And the previous art teacher left and they said, hey, we would love for you to do what you came here to do to begin with. And I said, okay, let's do it. 
I was really excited. And obviously at that time, I was certified and I got my teaching license to teach K through 12 art, well, visual art. And I really enjoyed it. I loved my kids. I taught second through fifth grade art and my third graders, uh, actually the next year were talking about TikTok and I was like, oh, what is that? And they were telling me what all they do. And I thought, oh, this would be a great way to connect with my students and to actually, you know, have an incentive. So we would make TikToks. They would say some funny one-liners and everything. And I would actually understand what they were talking about. So while I was teaching art, I also was a project director for Whole Schools, which is an arts integrated program. It's usually nationwide, but I was the project director at my school. And so I integrated the arts in the different curriculums. And I also integrated the curriculum into my art classroom too. And I also did the social media for my school as well. So you taught um, second through fifth grade art. Yes. Okay. And so if you could, will you paint the picture a little bit more for us as far as what types of schools did you teach in? Um, What were like the demographics, the socioeconomic status? Like, tell us a little bit more private, public charter, um, so anything, this, anything that you can paint the picture for us as far as the like the type of school environment? Of course. So I taught about 500-ish students, and this was at a Title I school. I also did work with English language learners, and at the school, I did a lot of fine arts because that was something that I felt was missing in prior curriculums. And we had a pretty diverse demographic of students who were on the higher end and students who were on the lower end of uh, the socioeconomics. And they were all so fabulous. I loved learning from each one of them. We had different programs for each level of student and their learning abilities. And something that we really strived for was differentiation in the classroom and making sure that if someone is struggling a little bit, we kind of went to that level. And if someone was, you know, advancing a little bit more, we wanted to make sure that they weren't as um, bored or, you know, whatever. Okay, love hearing that. So thanks for um, painting that picture for us um, without giving too much away, you know. And so with that, I want to know a little bit about how long were you in the classroom teaching um, before you decided to pivot elsewhere? So I knew I wasn't going to teach for a very long time. It was something to kind of, I had a whim and I'm very ADHD. So whenever I get that whim, I'm going to go for it. And I love education. I helped with children's church. I did calligraphy and watercolor workshops for 
a few years before I even taught little kids. And it's really funny because some of the people that I taught calligraphy or watercolor were actually the parents of some of the students that I taught later on in school. So I taught from 2018 to 2020, 2021. And it was probably the beginning of 2021, that like winter season, that I really questioned if I wanted to continue or if I wanted to Um, kind of leave the classroom. And it was obviously a really difficult decision. And I will never say that the students were the reasoning for leaving. It was primarily due to I had so many other obligations as far as uh, teaching. And because I wasn't getting paid very well as teachers, (laughs) you know, no. Um, I had to also subsidize my income with different areas, such as continuing to do my graphic design, brand design, and also um, photography sometimes on the weekends. And I realized I'm pretty much doing two full-time jobs. One of these things has to go and teaching had to go uh, just because I knew long-term I couldn't keep doing it in the physical or the mental sense without just pretty much losing my mind and just being in a funk all the time. And obviously if I'm going to be that unhappy, I don't want that to transfer over to my students and I don't want their culture in the classroom to have a negative effect. And I knew if I kept continuing to teach, it would end up being like that. And that wasn't fair to them and it wasn't fair to me. And I applaud anyone who leaves the classroom because it is a very tough decision. And I don't think anyone really leaves because they don't like to teach anymore. I think that they're forced kind of out of it due to admin or the culture within the school or even just like the standards that we have to meet, which are very high compared to other professions and still get paid at a very low level. Uh, level. So you talked about the physical and mental wear and tear. So when exactly did that begin for you? Like at what point, because you said 2018 to 2021. So at what point did that initially begin when you were kind of starting to feel the weight of this work? I think it was during the, um, probably where the winter season was in 2020 just because you know we were going through the pandemic and everything and it was really tough um I don't think unless you're in that situation you really understand and for other teachers I knew they had it really hard as well And for me, everything had to be sanitized from the paintbrushes to the pencils to um, anything that we use as far as supplies. I couldn't have students help me pass things out. I had to actually pass it out myself. And that was like filling up water cups and 
you know, passing out the paintbrushes and making sure that everyone was safe because that was of the utmost uh, concern for me, obviously. And I just, um, just doing that for four classes every day for about 150 students a day and not really having much time in between my classes to really, you know, provide, to keep providing that safe environment without just basically um, wearing myself, you know, ragged. And I, and I also want to make sure that people know that I didn't just have those four classes, but in the beginning of the day, I had the English language learners as well as um, some of my other Title I students to who, who needed a little extra help and everything like that. But that was pretty much, you know, something that I was like, I can't keep doing this um, and like have so much anxiety that a student's going to get sick or have anxiety of like, okay, so do I have enough supplies for, you know, this next class and are they cleaned? And so what I would have to do like during teaching is actually kind of, you know, clean while I taught and while they were doing stuff, I would make sure that I was like filling up cups and stuff like that. So it definitely took some, you know, some energy out of me. And then with having to social distance, everyone was in their own individual like little desks, they had to be distanced apart. And before then, I had this really great system of like, um, like a community table, and making sure that they all felt, you know, like they could do group projects, and they could help each other and they could talk and stuff. And now from doing that, it was like, just the polar opposite of can't really talk to each other, can't really like, communicate, um, can't even, you know, like, pass, say, hey, can I borrow your pencil? Well, no, you know, you can't because someone has already infected that pencil and all kinds of stuff like that, which, um, you know, when you continue to do it every day, and it's multiple students all the time, you know, that gets really exhausting. It's kind of like, if you're, you know, doing one push up, okay, that's fine. But when you start doing a lot of push ups, and, it's just so repetitive and it's every day. It's like, of course, you're going to get a little bit tired from it. But um, yeah, I would definitely say during that winter time, we were also doing a lot of um, like extracurricular stuff. I was working on like art uh, galleries and shows and stuff. And some of it, well, was all virtual. So I had to like scan in the work. I had to type in each student. And when you have like 500 and something students and you're doing all that pretty much by yourself, that gets really tiring. And then you have to go to like different events and making sure that that's getting covered. And I wasn't getting paid anything extra for, you know, doing the social media and I wasn't getting paid any extra for doing um, the whole school's uh, art integration stuff either. So obviously, if I had been able to get a proper salary that kind of um, yielded all of that work and really supported it, I wouldn't have to do, you know, the side gigs and stuff, which is also very tiring. And so 
I made my decision in, I guess it was like maybe sometime in May. And I mean, I had fully intended to come back the next year, but some things had happened and I was like, you know, I don't think that the climate of the school is going to really change. And um, it's something that I can't change on my own either. And it's something that like has to come from someone higher up that really has to care. And I feel like that's a really big issue in a lot of schools is like sometimes admin don't have all of the support that they need. And then things kind of um, slip under like between the tr- uh, the cracks and everything. And then the teachers are affected and then the students are affected and it just becomes a really uh, bad game of domino, I guess. Don't I know that? All right. So you talked about TikTok as far as it became an incentive a little bit from you using it in your classroom for your students. So my question is, um, when you started the TikTok account, was it mainly for just like students and families to be able to see and explore and be like, oh, look at this fun treat I got to do today with my teacher? Or tell me a little bit about like how you plan to um, use it for when you were first utilizing it with your students to what you use it for now today. Like, Walk us through that transition. So one of my students did a little dance and I, and they were kind of, you know, goofing off and everything. And I said, you know, how about this? Continue doing your dance after you finish this. And, and then, you know, that can be kind of like your little, um, your treat for the day. And he was like, okay, yeah, let's do it. And then that, and then he finished his work and everything and he showed me the little dance and I said you know I want to see what TikTok's all about so that night I downloaded TikTok I looked through some of the stuff and I found other teachers on the app and I was like hmm so I decided you know like all of these people are sharing their side of the story of being a teacher what's happening in their classrooms and I decided I really wanted to do that as well And I wanted to make sure, you know, like they weren't feeling alone and that, you know, some of the struggles that they were feeling weren't just them. It's very much like a blanket concern that a lot of teachers and um, those in the education field also uh, experience. And so it started off me just kind of being like a storyteller and sharing funny things that happened or maybe, you know, something that one of my students is doing that really caught my attention or things that my students were doing that, you know, were kind of like, oh my goodness, not, not again, you know, whether it's just um, like not writing their name on their paper or maybe, you know, sharing some inspirational thing, like making sure that they knew that they were supported. And so that was in 2019 when I started it. 
and I decided to do some incentives like, okay, you know, like I'm going to, you know, if you, if we all have a great day and we don't have any like, um, any disciplinary problems or anything like that, obviously I said it in a way that they were very interested in, then, you know, y'all can, y'all can do like a little show and tell and show me something like a little dance or maybe, um, something funny. And it kind of just started with that. And then later on when the pandemic hit, it started being something that I could share with the parents and with the students who weren't able to come in my classroom and still get to experience the classroom, uh, environment. I would post little TikToks of just abbreviated versions of the lessons, and I would post it in Canvas. I would, um, you know, have like little uh, cute stories that I would share on TikTok. And a lot of the parents really enjoyed, you know, seeing what was going on in the classroom because they weren't able to actually visit for about two years. And that's why I really wanted to do the social media too, because I wanted, if we had like small events or if we had like a project going on and not just in art, but in the entire, you know, school, then I wanted the teachers and the students who weren't able to, or the teachers, the students, and the parents who weren't able to experience that to actually experience it. And I had a lot of parents say they were so glad that I shared all this, whether it was like a game of kickball that the parents couldn't come to, or it was um, a school-wide incentive where we had like a dance party or um, a snack day or something that they couldn't really help out with either. So it turned into that and now it's kind of on the back burner just because I'm still transitioning out of the teacher content and I'm kind of going more into I'm still doing like art content and making that educational but also doing that on top of like plant content because I am a plant lady and I have like almost 80 plants in my apartment (laughs) Yes, I, I noticed that. And so um, when when did you get so interested in plants? Has that always been something that piqued your interest? Or tell us a little bit more about that. So my dad actually gardened all of his life pretty much, and my grandpa did too. And so I was always around plants and gardening and, you know, getting my hands dirty and everything. And probably when I... Uh, lived a little bit down south and I had my first like really big adult job as uh, an advertising as an advertising art director for a magazine I bought a plant and it was a fiddle leaf fig tree for $40 and I was like oh wow this is kind of expensive for a tree and then like now it would be like probably 200 or $300 for the same size tree but I started getting into plants back in 2015, 2016, but then in 2000, I guess it was 17, I really got into plants. 
and I started collecting so many. I killed a bunch too, just because I was like learning from it. And I, you know, you got to learn from your mistakes. I always say that. I used to say that to my kids all the time whenever I was teaching. Um, But it just kind of, you know, grew from that interaction with that first plant. And now, you know, I just love learning about plants. I love creating uh, artwork inspired by my plants. So I've done like a series of watercolors with them and also just like learning about um, growing them and propagating and sharing them with friends and family, uh, which is really exciting and fun and sweet. (laughs) And I know nothing about plants at all. But that is really, really cool. And so jumping back to the TikTok piece a little bit. So yes, you were sharing these videos of the kickball and what was happening in your classroom. So those who weren't necessarily physically there, students or families, was able to kind of get a glimpse to see what was going on. So they still had a way to stay connected. My question is, did any of them actually follow you on TikTok? Oh my goodness, yes. Okay, so my question is, now that you're not teaching, are they still following you on TikTok? Some of them do, and I mean, I'm I'm still like below 30, so I, you know, I go out with my friends and stuff, and I went to a bar probably about like five or six months ago, and they were like, oh my goodness, Miss Baird. And I'm like, who is that? (laughs) And I realized who it is. And I had taught two of her, uh, not her students, but her sons. And she was like, oh my goodness, like, I just love you on TikTok. We watch your videos all the time. You're so funny. I love learning about the plants and everything. Oh man, like the kids. And I'm like, oh my goodness. But um, I've had my when I first got my TikTok I you know TikTok is for 13 and younger so I couldn't really have a lot of them follow me and I also didn't want to connect with them in that way I'd rather have like their parents follow me or something but I have gotten in trouble one time with being on TikTok and I was doing a video and I was watering my plants and it was I want to say it was either a Nicki Minaj song or it was a Cardi B song. And pretty much I get a call at 8 p.m. on a Sunday saying, Miss Barrett, can you tell me a little bit about this TikTok that you posted? And I said, which one? And so he tells me which one it is. And I'm like, yeah, you know, it's about plants. And he said, well, did you mean to use that? music and I said yes because I mean I'm I'm gonna own up to it obviously I just didn't think it was a big issue and he was like well you know we had a parent complain about it and I said oh goodness it's literally about plants I'm not like shaking my booty or you know being half dressed or whatever which you know is everyone's prerogative just not really my kind of content and I mean, so, you know, obviously I took it down or whatever, but I'm the type of person that I really don't like being censored, um, especially when I'm not um, 
especially when I'm not really doing anything quote unquote bad. Um, and I'm not doing anything that's going to hurt my students or give me a really bad reputation or anything because I do work in the community a lot and I work with a lot of businesses. So I never want a bad reputation. And it just, that was also another reason why I was like, okay, so they're like building these blocks for me to like knock down and quit because it was getting really frustrating um, having to kind of make sure, okay, is this going to upset anyone? And in the past, we had had instances, and some warranted and some weren't, um, where, you know, a parent would complain and then all of a sudden you wouldn't see that teacher ever again. And it's really scary to be in such a vulnerable position where, like, it was, um, I, I remember, it was Hot Girl Poop, that song. That was uh, Megan the Stallion. And, and it was literally, it was like, sorry, I can't talk right now. I'm doing Hot Girl Poop. <laughs> and... And then it was just me like watering my plants. And I'm pretty sure I was in like pajamas or something. <laughs> but that was very um, eye-opening for me for sure because I was like, I, you know, don't really like this. And another instance about censoring is I had um, an Instagram about being a teacher and being an art teacher, and basically, um, they called me in the office and told me I needed to take that Instagram down, and then a year later, I ended up being the social media manager for the school, so I ended up pretty much posting <laughs> what I was already posting. It's just very strange, and it's just like, you know, I wasn't showing any students' names, I wasn't showing any of their photos or anything, um, like that. And so it was, and then it turned out my admin hadn't even seen the page. So they really didn't even have justification for me to like delete it or anything. Wow. Yeah. Um, <laughs> it's so funny because I've had teachers who have seen my TikTok, not my teachers who quit TikTok, but my personal TikTok. Um, that I use really to bring awareness to my business. And so um, right now I'm a little bit over 30K, a little bit. And I remember before I even hit that point, I had people being like, oh my God, you're on my FYP. And when people would tell me that, I'd be like, oh no. Because I'm the person, I'm the type of person, I just like to um, keep my lives separate. I'm the same person, but I like to separate things. It's like, if I work with you in any capacity, don't bother me online. Just stay 10 feet away from me online. <laughs> Literally, that's how I feel. Um, but I've had teachers be like, oh my God, you were on my FYP. And I'm like, oh, please block me. And if you don't, I'm going to block you. Because it's just like, I don't want you following me. Leave me alone. And really, on my um, my personal TikTok, on both of my TikTok pages, 
Because one, I'm the teachers who quit TikTok. I'm doing nothing but literally sharing stories from other teachers, usually like duet or stitching. And then on my personal one, I'm giving teacher tips on classroom management. So it's like nothing that I'm posting is so like, oh my gosh, should not be posted. But it's just like the principle of the thing. When I go on my social media world, that's me and mine. It's not, you're not a part of that. Um, So when you were like, I don't like being censored. Oh, I don't like being censored either in any way, shape, form, or fashion. Um, You had me cracking up. Like I could barely breathe over here when you were talking about how you are, (laughs) you are under 30. You're still under 30. Well, coming from me, I am definitely not under 30. Um, You know, just, just tipping over there, just tipping over there. Um, But yeah, um, that really, that, that, that took my breath away a little bit because I'm like, dang, she's like, you're you're old as dirt. You're after you're older than 30. Um, but then the other thing that came to my mind was when you were talking about the teachers just disappear. The parents or the family, they go and complain, and then next thing you know, oh, Miss Susan doesn't work here anymore. It's like that is very scary. I've been in those places before, um, and I've seen that happening to so many of my colleagues throughout the years, and I'm just like Wow, that's such a shame. That's really such a shame. Um, Because sometimes I feel that administrators don't always do a good job of advocating on behalf of their teachers, but they're just so fearful and afraid of what is happening um, as far as like the, the people who they report to, right, as admin and the district and the superintendent. And they're just like, they just live to please. But when it comes to teachers, they could care less sometimes. So a lot a lot resonating with that piece a lot resonating with that piece but you know what I really want to talk about this cake because I saw TikTok saying you a cake yes but I can't hear you at all Sarah (laughs) oh sorry I'm a cake Sarah you posted a TikTok of TikTok sending you a cake Oh, yes. So I have been in a couple of different creator programs with TikTok. One was learn on TikTok. And then another one was just like the general uh, creator program. But the learn on TikTok one is a paid program that they contact you and you do so many videos and all that jazz. And yeah, I was a part of that back in, I guess, to maybe at the end of 2019. I can't remember all of the years start blurring together. But because I've been a part of that, they will send out emails, um, kind of like surveys asking if you're interested in something, you say yes or no. And then one time they sent me a cake. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm just that. cutting open the cake and all of a sudden like sprinkles come busting out and if if it had been um like fresh it would have been really dramatic because I saw some of the other people who got the cake and I was like oh wow like this looks really good it was a little too sweet for me but I'm not a big like uh, cake person to begin with but it was really nice I've had um certain opportunities to have like merch whether it's like a cap that they um give me or like some sweatshirts and stuff and my very first sweatshirt that I 
have or that they sent me was like my favorite and well let's just say it's not with me anymore someone I used to date still has it and I'm still <laughs> a little bitter over that <laughs> as you should be Sarah as you should be okay so that's that's really awesome because you Literally, whenever I come across that, I'm like looking at someone's page. It comes across my FYP. I'm like, oh, TikTok sent this. So I go and look at their page and it's like 300,000 plus followers. I'm like, oh, I wish TikTok sent me something. Not there yet. <laughs> and then it's just so cool because you really jumped in the TikTok game kind of early because you were like 2019. Like I didn't touch TikTok until 2021. So I think that is really, really cool. Um so let's go ahead and talk a little bit more about what you're doing now. So you've talked about your background, what your education or degrees were in. Um, even before you taught, you talked a little bit about roles that you've held, but now you are doing so many awesome things. So go ahead and tell us a little bit more about um, what services you offer. So I have had the business Serebi Calligraphy since about 2016 and that's when I was working at the magazine and I decided you know I really love calligraphy I started practicing calligraphy after I graduated college in 2014 because I had another whim and I was like I'm gonna try this out I never took a class or anything I took one Skillshare class and I was like okay I got this fell in love with it and I decided to pursue it. So for a few years, I provided calligraphy and wedding stationery, such as invitations, save the dates, uh, RSVP cards, stuff like that, and also envelope addressing to different clients for their weddings. And I realized that the profit margin on the wedding stationery wasn't as high as I really wanted it to be, especially compared to how much time and expenses went into it. So I decided that I would just provide the calligraphy for the addressing. And I was also doing brand design for different companies. So I've done it for photographers, holistic skincare companies, realtors, even a church one time, and different stuff like that. So I love brand design, brand identity, and making sure that everyone, you know, can really express their company's message through um, visual and also uh, different social graphics and stuff like that. And then after I quit teaching back in 2021, which uh, was back in May of last year, I continued, you know, I picked right back up. I continued doing the calligraphy and everything. And I did the brand design. And I realized, you know, I think I can do something a little bit more. I always have loved content creation. I started a YouTube channel when I was like in eighth grade. So I was like 13 years old. And I thought, ooh, I was so cool. But I really wasn't. And I mean, those videos are no longer there. But I, I do have some YouTube videos. However, Back in January of this year, 2022, I had the opportunity to 
try out doing social media management for a local business. And I trusted the business and the people. And I just really enjoyed creating the content for them and scheduling it out and really connecting with the audience. And since then, I've brought on several different um, clients from festivals to um, a cute little pub crawl that I helped create and promote a mattress place, which is really random, but the graphics look stellar in my opinion. And also um, the restaurant and a and an organization in Jackson, Mississippi, that is probably one of my biggest clients. So we're doing like web design, rebranding for them, and also the social media for them. And it's going to be like a a multi-year kind of contract with them. But overall, I provide the photography for my clients as well as the social media graphics, different reels, TikToks, and just making sure that I can connect the audience with them and them with the audience as much as possible and just really build on brand loyalty and also um, growing an audience that is interested in their products and learning more about their products. That is really, really cool. And as you were saying now, I'm like, oh, so I need to basically book a call with you (laughs) for my consulting. Come on. (laughs) Yeah, for my consulting business, I need a whole, really, you know how they talk about certain things like they may say, oh, you don't really need a website to get started initially. That's not something that you should prioritize first. And it's like, actually make money and prove that you have a, you know, idea that people want to pay for. Then you can get all that sorted out. Um, At least those are the business coaches who have coached me to success, have always prioritized. And so now Mm -hmm. I'm at a point where, okay, I'm rocking and rolling. My business is steady. It's growing, scaling, it's doing well. This is the time. So I'm going to have to definitely check that out. So I really like the piece about the social media management as well. Um, Just as you mentioned about loving content creation, so have I. I've really loved creating content. Um, I did not start a YouTube channel in eighth grade, but I started a YouTube channel back in like 2014, 2015 when I was a fresh, early, early teacher. Um, So it wasn't my first year, but maybe like second, third year or something. Um, and I love YouTube because what I loved about YouTube is I love that I saw people on there who were literally making that their whole job. And I'm like, wait, what? I can do that? So me, being me, I got on YouTube, started making content about teachers and um, helping them with classroom management, which I still do to this very day. And um I was like, this is not making me a millionaire where I quit doing this and pursue this full time. So I'm like, okay. And literally I was rocking and rolling with it. But then like around 
2017, 2018, I decided to pursue my master's. And so that was a two year commitment. And that kind of took my attention where I'm like, I can't juggle this hobby that I'm pouring time and energy into, especially with, you know, video editing and all that. It's a lot. It's a lot. It is a lot. Especially YouTubers that try to do it well. Um, And so I was like, I'm gonna have to put this on the back burner and literally didn't do it for a while. Um, It was also a little bit weird because I had like, again, just like I'm found on TikTok, I started at a new school. This is probably the third school that I was at, hoping that when I switch schools, teaching will work out. Immediately, no. But anywho, I'm at this school and literally maybe there for two weeks. My partner teacher, this man, came up to me. Hey, I saw your video on YouTube. And I'm like, oh, no. And that that's the was- most embarrassing moment. It's like, it was oh, so goodness. Because I think it was a video, too, about like Class Dojo or something. And I'm like, OK, I get it. You were probably Googling Class Dojo. At that point, I was like ranking number one in search. I was really like doing well when it came to the Dojo content. So she's like, oh, my God gosh just like I do that for hobby and fun for strangers on the internet not for you who work with me and that was a little bit like oh I don't want people knowing about that so that kind of also was like another thing like okay just put YouTube to the side I kind of a little bit regret doing that um out of like just not wanting to be found because now I'm at a point where people find me all the time but It's just like, I I probably should have kept going, but everything happens for a reason, so that's okay. And so um, content creation is super fun, and my love was reignited in 21 when I started TikTok again and, like, seeing how that really, like, started doing well for me. And so um, what I say now is that I still love content creation, and I think about it all the time, like, dang, if you could do anything, what would you be doing? And, like, every time I think about it, I'm like, oh, well, I want to be a wag, and then I also want to, um, you know, just make videos all day and just, like, vlog. What is a wag? A wag is a wife and girlfriend of athletes. (laughs) (laughs) There's a TV show about them. That's probably my dream. My dream life is to be a wag, Sarah. I just want to be courtside at an NBA game, living my best life. Maybe, you know, create a brand here, a brand there just for fun. Not because I have to, but that's just my ultimate dream, Sarah. And you know what? I'm holding on to that. <laughs> and I will let that you sounds like That sounds like a great idea. And if, you know, your future husband... <laughs> As a friend, you know, just set me up. <laughs> exactly. And so, you know, that's where I'm at. I'm like, that's always been my dream. I just want to be a wag and live happily ever after, honestly. So not work because I have to, but just because it's a little fun hobby. You know what I mean? So I always think about that. And I love creating content. I love still watching YouTube to this very day. Um, and I thank TikTok for reigniting that passion within me to um, get back to that because I really love it and like recently too like I've been able to partner with like great ed tech companies and be able to promote their content and then I actually was the face of a TikTok for an ed tech company for like three months this year and I'm just like wow opportunities that I never even knew (laughs) <laughs> what happened happened because of TikTok. And so I'm so grateful for that. And I, I love that passion that you share for social media as well as brand design and, and calligraphy. And so with that, if someone is interested, like there's a teacher 
pretty much on the verge of planning their exit, not really sure where they want to pivot to, but they're loving what you're saying that you're doing currently. Working with restaurants and running their socials, multi-year contracts, calligraphy, and they really want to tap into that. What would you give them as far as advice on how to get started in that? So I went to college for it, but I know several designers who do not go to college for graphic design. And really, it's something that you don't necessarily have to have unless you are just someone who really needs structure and like a very strict, you know, guidelines for like you need to do A, B, and C. And that was the type of person I still am because if I don't have like some guidelines, if you don't have your, you know, like CRM system, like messaging me like, hey, I need your bio and your photo. (laughs) Your uh, podcast recording is literally tomorrow and I don't have any of your stuff and it's Sunday. Um, (laughs) Then like I need that. Um, But I, uh, I would definitely say like go on Skillshare, go on, uh, different platforms, uh, Kajabi or Kajaba or something like that. Uh, like something teachable or I don't know, there's like all kinds of things, but I actually offer a course on graphic design. And if you're interested in the calligraphy and also doing the basics of graphic design, the programs and also just how to price because that is one of the biggest issues with any anything is pricing and right now my course isn't open but by the time this is out maybe it'll be open and I've helped you know a lot of people with working on how to make sure that what they're doing is their hobby, what they're doing for their hobby that they can turn into a passion and then finally turn that into profits because that's really something that a lot of teachers are looking for right now is, you know, I just put all of my eggs in one basket as far as teaching and now I have like nothing to fall back on and it's a really scary thing and I feel you know, very blessed that I did have that background, but I know a lot of teachers don't have a background. Like if, like one of my really good friends is a teacher and if she told me one day, like, hey, I want to quit, but I literally have no other skills. Well, there's so many sites, even on YouTube that you can, you know, find a new skill, whether it's photography, whether it's something creative that you've always wanted to do. And that's always great to kind of learn how to do something, find a passion in it, and then like really turning it into profits is the hardest thing. And making sure like, okay, it, am I going to be able to sustain my life if I, you know, if this is my only income? And that's something that I really like helping uh, people with. I've, uh, done business consultations with different designers in the past, making sure like, okay, you know, this, these are the steps that you really need in order to 
get a graphic design business up, get a social media business up, or even, you know, be a calligrapher and stuff like that. Because these are things that they don't really teach you in school. Even if you do pay, you know, tens of thousands of dollars, they don't tell you how to price and they don't really tell you how to sell and market yourself. And that's something that like I've been doing for let's say the past six or seven years is just like really marketing myself and making sure that people know what I do and also that they know that what I provide for them, whether it's a product or service is something that's of high quality and it's going to be a great return on their investment. Love that. Yes. Anything that you want to learn is definitely online. It's definitely on YouTube university. It depends how quick you want a result so when people always like oh I want to start a business but then you don't want to invest money in a coach or people to teach you how to do that business you can do it might take you two years or so or several months but if you want accelerated results follow the pathway of somebody who's already been where you are right and and has successfully made it there. That's what I always encourage people to do and if you vet the person right you should be able to make your investment back Anything that I've invested in, I've invested in stuff like crazy. As my business has grown, I continue to invest like dollars that I never thought I would invest. But because I knew that at the end of the day, if I showed up, put in the work, I would make it back. And anything that I've invested in from $100 to a couple few thousand, I've always Mm -hmm. made that investment back. So. With that, I hope that's encouragement to those people who want to hold their wallet tight. But I get it. Everyone's in a different position. So start with YouTube University. And when you can invest, you can invest to learn what you need to learn to create the pathway that you want to create for your tomorrow. Um, With that said, Sarah, this has been such a pleasure chatting with you, learning about your journey, what brought you to education, what encourage you to pivot elsewhere (laughs) and then what you're doing now and everything it's so awesome just tell us where can the people connect with you online so you can usually find me at saracotta s-a-r-a-h-h-c-o-t-t-a or sarah b calligraphy and those are my primary ways that you can reach me whether that's on tiktok instagram uh, if you like fun and humorous, like one-liners, I do that on Twitter. Obviously, um, you can check me out on my website, saracotta.art, and also sarabcalligraphy.com. And I also wanted to just mention, like, you know, about, like, holding your, you know, wallet tied and everything. It's – I had rather, you know, do – a couple of really big projects that cost like $2,000 rather than like 200 projects that are $10. And I think that's, you know, making the time well worth it for you. But also like if you're going to spend like three, two years, like searching for all of these like free courses and everything and these free videos, and you don't really know what you're looking for, you're going to waste that time and energy instead of like finding a person you really like and finding a course that maybe they're offering to you and then that's only like two or three months and so instead of like spending that extra time almost like losing out on money 
you're going to gain back that time and potentially, you know, uh, get that income that you really want and that return on your investment. 100%. Thanks, Sarah. I have really enjoyed chatting with you. She has some graphics for y'all down in the description below this podcast. So listen to uh, go and grab those free graphics and we will see you in the next episode. Bye bye. Bye. Thank you for listening to the Teachers Who Quit podcast. Keep listening to us on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. Subscribe and leave us a review to get a shout out on our socials. And remember to shamelessly choose you.